InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. America has had a long-term dependence on foreign oil. How can we break our addiction to the black stuff since it fuels our economy? InfoTrack's Roy Mackey has this fascinating interview. Roy? Thanks, Chris. We are addicted to oil. Finally, the folks in Washington are admitting it, but what can we do about it? There are some fledgling alternative fuels out there. One is called biodiesel, and we're joined by Josh Tickell, who has written a book called Biodiesel America. Josh, welcome to InfoTrack. Thank you so much. Let's start with just a basic explanation. What is biodiesel? Well, biodiesel is essentially a vegetable oil-derived diesel fuel. It can run in any unmodified diesel engine, and essentially it's made by American farmers. Now, are we talking about recycled fry oil from restaurants, or are we talking about something that's actually manufactured for this express purpose? Well, we can use virgin soybean oil, that's the soybean oil that our American farmers grow, or we can use recycled oil that comes from fast food restaurants. The recycled oil, that would be a rather limited pool to draw from, though, wouldn't it? You'd be surprised. There's actually 3 billion gallons of used cooking oil produced in the U.S. each year. Wow. Some experts say the biggest problem with grain-based fuels is that the amount of fossil fuel expended in tractors and so forth to grow and harvest and refine one of these crops makes it not only expensive, but by the time it makes it into a gas tank, it hasn't really cut down on the use of fossil fuels at all. Well, I would like to distinguish biodiesel from grain-based fuels. As Biodiesel is made from oil, which means we're growing oil seeds, soybeans, mustard, canola, even coconut. So the difference is that there's far more energy contained in oil than there is grain. After all, Rudolf Diesel designed the diesel engine to run on vegetable oil over 100 years ago. So what we get with biodiesel is essentially we put one unit of energy in and we get three units out. Now, where does that extra energy come from? It actually comes from the sun because plants are very efficient converters of solar energy into liquid fuel. If someone owns a diesel vehicle right now, can they make this fuel? They can. They can either make the fuel or they can get the fuel. Obviously, it's easier to get the fuel. And we have 600 gas stations across the country that serve biodiesel. You can find those gas stations on our website at biodieselamerica.org. Now, in terms of making the fuel, it's a very simple process. If you can make a margarita, you can make biodiesel. <laughs> Bear in mind, it's not going to be the same quality you're getting at the gas station, and you may run into some warranty issues if you make it yourself. How complicated is it to make it? Well, essentially, you mix vegetable oil and alcohol and drain cleaner, lye. Hmm. You mix those three things together, and you get biodiesel. And there are directions for that in my first book, From the Fryer to the Fuel Tank. What is the cost of biodiesel fuel at a gas station, for example, in comparison to standard diesel fuel? Today we see biodiesel prices almost exactly the same as standard diesel fuel prices. There is some variance, and biodiesel tends to be a little more pricey, but overall the prices are very similar. I understand that one of the places you've been lobbying for biodiesel use is in school buses. That's correct. There are 390,000 diesel school buses in America that transport 24 million American kids to school every day. And as you may or may not know, the number one cause of absenteeism in American schools is asthma. Diesel fuel is a major contributor to asthma. So essentially with biodiesel, we cut those nasty emissions out and we let the kids breathe easy. 
Does it burn cleaner? What exactly happens there? Biodiesel burns substantially cleaner. It reduces particle matter, which is the black soot that you see and actually end up breathing by up to 80%. So you've got a substantial reduction in the thing that is most harmful to our health. Josh, do we know what the long-term use of biodiesel fuel does to the life of an engine? Yes, we do. The U.S. Department of Energy, as well as the German Department of Energy, have spent literally tens of millions of dollars testing this fuel. And what they found is very amazing. Actually, biodiesel extends the life of engines because it's so lubricating. It's like coating your engine with Teflon. We're talking with Josh Tickell. He is one of the nation's leading experts on alternative fuels, and we're discussing his book, Biodiesel America. Josh, why are people not hearing that much about biodiesel? Why is this kind of a new concept? The reason that we're just now hearing about it really has to do with energy prices. We've had cheap oil for a long time. Now oil's not so cheap, and neither is fuel. So what happens is we're able to use other contenders, and biodiesel is a very strong contender. You know, the president has mentioned biodiesel in over 120 different speeches around the country. We are seeing the largest purchaser of biodiesel is actually the Navy. So we're seeing biodiesel being accepted on a massive scale, and in comparison to when the industry started in the late 1990s, it's grown 150-fold. Now, from a scientific standpoint, is there any possibility that this could be formulated in the future to run in a standard combustion engine as opposed to a diesel engine? Well, there is the possibility that could be done. However, what we see happening is really a transition in America to more efficient terms of transportation within the next 10 to 15 years. If we follow the same path as Europe, and every indicator is there to show that we will, we will go more toward diesel transportation. After all, cars like my diesel Volkswagen Golf get almost 50 miles per gallon, 5-0. So gasoline counterparts only get about half that much. So we're going to double our fuel efficiency by moving toward diesel, and also that gives us the ability to use biodiesel. In your book, you say that there is a big secret in the Middle East that will cause oil prices to shoot even higher. Talk about that. We in the U.S. are extremely dependent on Middle East oil. In fact, the whole world is. Saudi Arabia is the single largest supplier of oil to the world, and for a long time, we have based our energy security on the fact that Saudi Arabia has an unfaltering oil supply. But what most people don't know is that Saudi Arabia's largest oil field, the Guar field, is actually declining. The production across the field has increased into a steep decline over the past five years. And this is a trend that all geologists agree is going to continue. Now, unfortunately, oil field production doesn't just decline. It will get to a point where we say the oil field is no longer profitable. Will it still be able to produce? Yes, but not at the same rate. Bearing in mind this one field is between 4 and 5% of the world's daily oil output, it will send a shockwave through the world economy. And in what kind of timetable are we talking about? We're talking about sometime in the next 5 to 10 years. The difference between this event and the events that we saw in the late 1970s is that when a field collapses, it's not a political event. Unfortunately, it's a geological event. You can't go backwards. So what it will precipitate is essentially a price hike and a permanent one at that. You've also written that there are cars being sold in Europe now that get more than 80 miles per gallon and that these cars are being blocked from being sold in the U.S. I'm almost afraid to ask the reason why, but why? 
Well, the Audi A2, the Volkswagen Lupo, the Peugeot 405, there are many vehicles for sale in Europe that get between 60 and 80 miles per gallon. And what we find with the U.S. is there's an extremely high demand for cars like this. Who wouldn't want a car that gets 80 miles per gallon? Again, on the flip side of that, there is a huge resistance from the U.S. automakers to incorporate the technologies that are being used in Europe. We have cars that we know that have been made in Europe that exceed 300 miles per gallon. There is simple, straightforward technology as the cars we produce today. But unfortunately, the status quo is the status quo. I'm not sure if I understand. The car makers believe that people won't buy them? Do they believe they're too expensive to design and manufacture? What exactly is the roadblock? The most common response that I hear as to why U.S. automakers and even their European counterparts who are allowed to export to the U.S. are not exporting or are not making these high-efficiency vehicles is simply that the technology is too difficult. Well, that's a hard sell considering these cars are on the road in Europe. I think a lot of Americans would like to do something, but they feel that this whole issue is out of their control. They're not really given a lot of options. Can you give us just some quick suggestions on what the average person can do to help end our country's addiction to oil? I'll go back to our school buses. If we can start by getting our kids running on renewable fuels, I think that everything else will follow. It happened with computers, and it's certainly bound to happen with energy. We have a great opportunity in the U.S. school system to take these diesel buses. You don't have to convert them. All you have to do is put the fuel in. So once we get our PTAs, our local mayors, our city council, even our state representatives, our congresspeople and our senators, all saying, yes, we need this to happen, it will. So I really see putting forth effort in contacting everybody in leadership in your community to say, look, we need to get biodiesel into our school buses. It's a great step toward energy independence. Josh DeKal, the author of the book Biodiesel America, thank you very much for joining us on InfoTrack. Thank you so much. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, a hard-hitting interview with a drug abuse counselor from the inner city. The inside story on what one man calls urban suicide. There's more InfoTrack coming up. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.